Welcome to Talk Purpose and Truth, shifting you into higher consciousness, a show that elevates, uplifts, and encourages listeners to grow, heal, awaken, and evolve. Eden and Kim include bold topics, interviews with inspiring guests, experts, and celebrities, intuitive readings, channeled messages, mental health awareness, and hot topics to expand your awareness. Tune in for unprecedented truth, authenticity, on-purpose discussions, and magical moments. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Talk Purpose and Truth. It's Kim and Eden. Hi, Eden. Hi, Kim. How are you feeling today? I am awesome <laughs> and excited and inspired. And we we often, we don't talk about this, but we often have meetings and talk about what do our listeners want to hear and what are people telling us and writing to us about. Mm-hmm. And one of the things we hear a lot, not only with clients from our own private readings and coaching, but from our audience is I feel stuck. You know, I keep repeating yeah. the same thing. How do I live a life? How do I be myself and live a life true to myself? And, and so we wanted to do a topic. How do I stop feeling stuck and step into the life where I can be true to myself. And so we were like, we haven't had a group discussion in quite a while. And so we picked three of our favorite male guests that are all experts on this topic that have been on previous episodes. So if you like what you hear today, you can go back to their prior previous episodes and listen to them more. Mm-hmm. And so we have with us today, Randy Spelling, who is a personal success coach, author, and speaker. And he also had a well-known acting career. We have Issei, who also had a well-known acting career as an Emmy award winner, speaker, and men's self-mastery coach. You can look for his episodes under Kiko Ellsworth. He is now going by Issei. And Christopher Rausch, who is a no excuses life and business coach, speaker, and host of the Unfiltered Experience podcast. So welcome, you guys. We're excited. Glad to be here. Thank you, Kim. Good to be here. (laughs) Thank you for having us. Thank you for having me. Thank you guys so much. And, you know, even Issei, he's so committed to us because he he not only took me on a date a couple months ago. And you were an amazing date. Oh my God, I must say. Hey, I was on that date. I'm not gonna. Well, we, we were. It was a threesome at one point, but like it was I got to give it up to her for that. The rest of you can do that with you as well if you want. Uh, another know. time. You're offering threesomes now. Yes. Is that yes. Part of your 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 client. Well, <laughs> <laughs> they're vip so yeah um okay well Issei, he's driving right now he's on a road trip with his daughter and he's just i you know i just wanted to share that because it shows how much he really adores us and um we appreciate that that you're even showing up even though you're driving um yeah we know that yes um so what are the best ways for someone to shift into being more authentic and making choices accordingly? Can you guys each share with us your opinions of that? Yeah, maybe maybe start like with an example of when you felt stuck 
And then how did you get out of it? And how would you recommend someone getting out of it? Do you want to start, Issei, because you're driving? <laughs> sure. Hey, hey, why not? You know, I'm moving and flowing right now. I'll just tap into one of the main, main, my lowest point in life when I was stuck, when I hit rock bottom. And uh, this was in 2009. I had walked away from my acting career. And, um, you know, I dropped all my agents. And I, I was searching for my soul. I was searching for myself, you know, me on the inside. And I didn't have that. And I remember I was crumpled on the, the brown carpet of my small 10 by 10 foot office. And I was crying to my wife, Christine, at the time. And I was, I, I was telling her, I was like, I don't, I, don't, I don't know who I am. I don't know how to make money anymore. I don't know how to do this. I didn't even know how to dress. Like I was so lost because I wanted to know energetically who I was. And the, the, first, the first step that I took uh, in a sense unknowingly was I, I reached out and asked for support. I asked for help. I admitted that, hey, I'm lost. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know. And I need support. So that was the, that, that I think in, across the board in my experience no matter what area you're in, is to really admit that you've probably gone as far as you can go with, with the knowledge or resources or thinking or whatever that you've done. I've done as much as I can. I can't do any more. I just need support. So the first step is to ask for support. Great. Yeah. And I think that that's so admirable as a man, because I think mm -hmm. for men, there's especially you know, certain ways of upbringing or culture that it's weak to ask for support, you know, and, and so many men are not even admitting anything that they yeah. feel scared or lost or broken from. And so you leading as example is huge because it's like giving people permission that it's okay. Yeah. And so he came from a, such a successful acting career and he, he got so humble and, realized there's something else he needs something was missing and he would for him to admit that and I think Randy you can probably talk on the same thing you have the yeah. same experience similar experience yeah let's hear his take <clears throat> you say so much of what you said echoed my exact story uh I mean it's slightly different but pretty much the same I I was uh an actor and I was in Hollywood and you know was born into a Hollywood family. So this is kind of my identity. And I got to the place where, um, you know, I, I was struggling with addiction. I was no longer happy. I, I had taken, it was good. I should have won an Emmy for this uh, or Oscar or some story. It's like, I, I took that role as far and as deep. I mean, I went deep method acting wise as far as it could go until I was looking at it was three o'clock in the morning i crumpled down in my apartment and i saw there's two roads i'm i'm literally gonna die because i almost did or i'm here for more and i had no idea what that more looked like but i knew that i wasn't living authentically i knew i wasn't being me and I had an idea from years past of, you know, feeling very connected and having a lot of uh, experiences through meditation and whatnot, where there was at least a reference point. And I said, I don't want the way I'm living anymore. And although I didn't know what that was going to be, I asked for help too. I asked the universe, anyone who could, I was like, <laughs> anyone who could hear me, please help me. 
I, I, I feel like I'm here for more. And I think for me, yes, it's asking for support, but also recognizing that if you're feeling this nudge that you're not living authentically, if that's even coming up in your mind, it's coming up for a reason. Because if living, you know that you're living authentically, you can feel it. You know, you feel that you're on track, you feel purposeful. When you're not, things feel so out of balance, you feel stuck. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it was, it was asking, and then it was also, I guess, having the courage to walk through the complete unknown. I had to disidentify basically with the way that I knew myself, people pleasing, how were others going to view me? Mm -hmm. um, what does this mean for me? Could I even survive without doing this? Because the only way that I made money was in this field. But I knew that not living authentically was going to cost me my life. Yeah. So it was having the courage to go, well, I want to live. So I'm going to walk this, even though it's, it's completely unknown. Yeah. Wow. That's powerful. Yeah. 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 And basically like throwing off any layers that weren't authentically you and then standing there as you and facing everybody who thought the other person was you and going, no, this is me. This really is me. <laughs> Convincing yeah. them. And, and one thing I would just add here is, also having patience because that wasn't overnight. You know, we're, we're so, it's so easy to talk about these, these catalyst moments where this was the moment that everything changed, but that was the moment that set change into motion. But then it was a process of, you know, days, weeks, years, and I'm still learning who I am and how to live authentically course it's way different from then but you know it's a process that unfolds yeah 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 it's interesting because Issei and I have known each other for 14 years and we've seen each other go from like kind of the beginning stages of like oh my god I'm finding myself and what really is my purpose and seeing each other grow through it like come out of it and transform and and so it that's 14 years of you know, besides yep. whatever happened before that. So, um, so it is, it's a process, but it's worth it because otherwise you're going to be what Randy said, you're going to always feel out of balance and something's missing and, you know, be questioning everything. So, yeah. Christopher. Yes. Ladies and gentlemen, I love, the, I, love the, <laughs> I love the conversation today, guys. I mean, it just, it's right up my alley. As you can tell, I'm a unique individual. And when I think about the, the, the question that you asked, I think it's brilliant because in my particular experience, um, I was a suit and tie speaker for many, many years. I've been speaking for over 20 years. And so I thought when you became a professional speaker, you put the suit and tie on, you go out there and do the triangular pose. And ladies and gentlemen, we're all gathered here today to talk about personal growth. And there was this one particular point where I came off stage at a multi-speaker event. And I'm like, we all sound the same. We all look the same. I'm not this guy. I'm not a suit and tie guy. I'm a rocker. I'm a biker. I'm a, I speak very candidly, very colorfully, but I'm not this person. And when I think about that part of my journey was, this was back in 2013. I think about the book, the five regrets of the dying. It was written by a hospice nurse. If you guys have never seen it or read it, it's an amazing book. And in that book, it talks about the number one regret that people said as they were dying was the fact that they didn't live the life they wanted to live. They lived the life they thought they were supposed to live by, by identifying and meeting everybody else's expectations for who they should be. And I think, you know, what's your, to Randy's point and Issa's point, 
the authenticity is really critical. It's, it's, it's important for us to get raw and real with ourselves and say, who am I, who am I at core and what am I really going to stand for? I think it's about values. And I think it's ultimately about legacy because for me back in 2008, I was sitting at a funeral and I thought, okay, if I died tomorrow, who would show up and what would they say? And at that point, I figured 10 or 15 people show up and they're going to bring cases of Miller Genuine Draft and Jack Daniels and Bon Jovi records. I'm like, oh, I remember that time that Chris did that, that stupid thing or that stupid thing or that stupid thing or that crazy thing. And I'm like, is that really how I want to be remembered? You know, and I went home and I write my own, I wrote my own eulogy. And from that point, it was really that Chris would have fought for what was right and what was fair. He will have risked forge that mattered and he left the earth a better place for who he was and what he did. And so that really became important to me to identify what my values were and what I'm really here for. Am I here to please everybody else and be predictable? For me, I was a homeless kid when I was from 13 to 18 and I was on the streets. I tried to commit suicide twice. Unfortunately, I sucked at it. And I finally got to a point where instead of like trying to people please everybody else to be successful, I'm just going to be me. And so I, 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 in 2013, I took off the suit. I'm like, I'm not going to do this anymore. I got into a mastermind with people who are brighter and smarter than me. And I said, I want to do this brand thing. I want to change. I want to be this kick-ass guy, the no excuses coach. I just want to be me. And 85% of the people in the room, like, yeah, do it. We got to, we get, we need more people who are real. And a few people were scared because I talk colorfully and everything else. But in that moment and to be connected with myself congruently, you guys said congruent, which is one of my biggest words. The fact that you get congruent and you get real with yourself, you're able to strip away all the other bullshit and the other ego identifying things that we're doing for everybody else. And we we get really solid with our core and our desire to really connect and be with ourselves. It's not about impressing everybody else. At the end of the day, it's about putting our head on our pillow and saying, was I a good person today? Did I make a difference in the world? Did I, did I move the needle on my legacy? So when I wrote that eulogy and I decided that I wanted to be just known for who I was, that's exactly what I did, even to the point where Les Brown, the great Les Brown, saw me at a speaking convention. I was taking his training and he said, Chris, you're an amazing speaker. I could put you on stages, but I can't do this, you know, the kick-ass thing. And I said, Les, I love you, but I got to be me. And that was a pivotal point. Like Les Brown was huge for me. And he said he could put me on stages, but I had to be me. And I have zero regret about it to this day. So all yeah. of you kind of turned down big offers, probably, you know, oh, yeah. yeah, because it wasn't you. It didn't feel authentic to you. Yeah. Huge, huge example. And I think it's giving people permission that it doesn't always have to be about the money or the status or what should be. It's mm-hmm. what is my heart saying? You know, like you said, does it feel congruent to me? Does it, I always say, does it make me feel alive? Does it feel aligned with me? Does it feel right in my heart and soul? You know? Yeah. And if not, if there's, if you can't say yes, you know, hell yes then there's something what's what's missing, you know, do I need to not do it? Do I need to change something? And I think that it's very brave. All of you are now living congruently and authentically, you know? Amen. Huh. Yeah. Um, Issei, hopefully you, are you, are you able to talk? <laughs> <laughs> are you yeah. hearing me Check clearly? In again. Or, am yeah. I, or am I breaking up? <laughs> we, hear, we hear you. We hear you okay, well. Beautiful. I'm good to go. Yeah. Okay. So a little bit more about that. How are you, how do you help others now that you've come to your own, come into your own? How are you helping others to get to that place? Yeah, it's, it's a lot with, uh, I believe Scott just said, you know, about living congruently. Uh, I believe it's, it's really all about that, you know, and like we're all kind of in our own world inside and it's, it's taken me a long time to put myself together so I could really just be me and be congruent with me 
that takes that takes a that takes you know the word bravery was mentioned just a few minutes ago that takes bravery it takes courage to sacrifice what appears as safety or money or things that seem uh, a guarantee to go with something that can be unknown which is you know something inside of you or like what Kim said, you know, to follow your heart or follow what feels good. That can be a very scary thing yeah. for a lot of people. So figuring out, first of all, like that is because most people don't even know what mm -hmm. turns them on. They don't even know. I didn't know. Most of us are, are going for so many things that we think that we're supposed to be doing, the life that we think we're supposed to be living, that we don't habitually tap into what our heart says, what our feelings say, what feels good, really, what we used to do when we were younger, like what, what our passions are. So many of us are so disconnected. I don't even ask someone, you know, when I meet someone, I, I don't ask them, oh, what do you do? I, I'll say, oh, what's your passion? You know, what do you love to do? What, what do you love? You know, I, I start off with that because then that's like, oh, wow, no one's ever asked me that before. <laughs> and so, like, just, you know, as a first step, you know, it's, it's really discovering what, what do I enjoy? And, like, um, what you said earlier, too, like, why am I here? So, like, writing a eulogy, I mean, that's so key because, you know, living for the end, right, before we return back home, like, why did I incarnate in this body? Did I come here just for a job? Why did I come here? Who, who, who am I? What am I here to do? What do I enjoy? What, how do I like to serve, right? And so we start to get this, this inner world built of, well, I think I came here for a reason, right? And you start to have an idea, how do I want to be remembered? What, do I, what would light my fire on leaving something behind? How do I want people to think about me? You know, that starts to give us like a framework, like a context for the type of life that we want. And then we just start to go to like narrow that in, you know, writing a eulogy is, a, is an amazing exercise that we do as well, too. Getting an idea on what's your target for the end of your life, right? What do you love? And then how, how are you? And then you start to like chunk down and, and, and really interweave it into your days, like your days. Like, how do you get up? How do you go to sleep? Right? And start to like map all that together and really starts to build like an inner infrastructure that you can actually rely on and count on of of happiness of courage and like brothers said you know you're always growing you're always figuring it out but once someone gets connected to that world you know first we help to build that world which is theirs just theirs alone like customize their own world within and once they get con you know connected to that then they, they, they continue to do the work because you always get to do the work and to continue to craft it. And that's the beautiful art of, of living life in that way, living life in integrity on purpose and, you know, and congruent, congruent with yourself. So that's what we do with the, with the coaching program for the men and as well for couples and for women, but I really focus on just men for right now. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. I love how you, two things really stood out to me and I'm going to start doing that. What's your passion? What do you love to do? And I wondered, I wondered why, I thought it was only your charisma. You say that all these people were like wanting to talk to you at that event we just went to, but it's because you said, what's your passion? <laughs> and they wanted to talk about themselves. Um, <laughs> but, 
<laughs> and I love that you said customize the world within because that is so beautiful because that's the issue is people are seeking outside and inside's going crazy. And if they learn that they have to heal and, and you know, tune and balance the inside first, that's, I love that. So thank you. I have a, a question for Randy, kind of going backwards a little bit, but it just made me think, listening to all of you talk, made me think of this. Um, when you decided to go sort of, I don't know if it's really considered this, but go against the family legacy, um, what you were born into and, and change your life and do what was best for you. Um, was there any resistance from people who had expectations on you to follow, follow, you know, what your, your father built? I mean, the biggest resistance was within me because I was anticipating and thinking about everyone else's resistance. Um, I, I bumped up against a little, no one said, oh my gosh, what are you doing? You're crazy. Uh, except someone who worked at a pet store. I was getting my dog food and I said, you know, I'm moving <laughs> out of Los Angeles. I'm moving up to Portland, Oregon. And he was young, I think an aspiring actor. And he said to me, he looked at me and he said, what? How, you have it all. Could, Why would you? How, yeah. I mean, it like, it couldn't <laughs> comprehend. And I had this very surreal moment because I, I didn't walk around thinking, oh, people, I mean, we never even had a conversation about who I was or what I did, but I just had this surreal moment where he was looking at me perplexed. I was looking at him perplexed. And it was this, wait, you're looking at me thinking that I should do something. And, and I just thought, oh yeah, I, I, now I definitely have to get out of here. <laughs> and um, wow. yeah, th there was some resistance but at that point, it didn't matter. The train had left the station because I knew I had made the decision already. I have to live this way. Mm -hmm. And that was it. So yeah, it was, I guess I would just say it was the anticipation of how I thought people would react. But you know, I'm, I'm was a recovering people pleaser. And so that was very, very difficult for me to share with others what I was choosing, even though you know, it could be uncomfortable, mm. but I did it anyway. Yeah. And yes. look at you now. Look at all of you. Like all of you guys too, <laughs> right? I mean, I think we all had to kind of choose that path somewhere along the way. Am I right? No. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. I mean, you know, like quickly, Eden and I, I mean, like I'll let you go first, Eden, but you too, like you kind of struggled in becoming you know, fully in your purpose. Right. Mm -hmm. And that took you some guts and some time. Yeah. Cause you know, there's such a stigma around someone who calls themselves a medium. Um, and I, I didn't have like a big career before that. So it's not like I left something to become who I am, but yes, I, do, I didn't have a lot of acceptance around me and people would look at me funny and, you know, when they started to find out and that was very uncomfortable for me. Um, it took years to get kind of like to not care anymore what people thought. And then once I did stop caring, people accepted it. Mm -hmm. 
It's not funny. Yeah. Yeah. As long as you own it, then, then there'll be remnants of people maybe, but it doesn't matter. They almost like they ping off of you. And yeah, you know, for me, I was doing acting and modeling and I was singing in a group and I was teaching special ed. (laughs) Um, and just started doing readings, intuitive readings and life coaching on the side, thinking it was a hobby. And then when I met Issei um, in 2008, and I went through this NLP course with New Yorka, it just gave me a breakthrough, like, oh my gosh, I'm not supposed to be doing any of that stuff. I'm supposed to be coaching and, and speaking and whatever. And so I made that decision that year, but I didn't really fully step into it until two, about a year and a half, two years later. Um, and so, and then it took me a while to really own the intuitive reading aspect for the same reason. I was like, Oh, I'm going to be looked upon as weird. It's too out there. And now I feel like I'm more just totally comfortable with being out there and I don't give a, you know, what. (laughs) so it, you know, it takes time to step into that Mm -hmm. and, and be bold that way. And now it doesn't even feel bold because you're just you. Yeah. yeah. Um, I thought of another question. I keep coming up with things. Yeah. So Chris. Yes. So um, how do I put this? I feel like there's some people, there are people out there who have that sort of, I want to say like um awakening, but not really a high vibration awakening, and they run. Mm-hmm. They feel like I gotta end this and go somewhere else, but they're not running to the right thing. Um, how do you help people to understand, you know, what's authentic, what isn't? Mm, that's a great question. I think yeah. for me in thinking about this, I think about what we've gone through in the last couple of years with the pandemic, obviously a lot of people have had to rethink who they are, what they're about, what their job, what their roles, what their identity is, how they interplay with society, their family, their friends, and especially with themselves. One of the things I've done over the pandemic was just gift people coaching sessions, like just to get them through, especially on the six week lockdown, I was just putting it out there. Like, if you need a coaching session, I'll be happy to do it. No sales, no nothing. Just my way of giving it back to help people get through this trying time. And after I did about 200 of them over the last couple of years. And the one thing I started seeing most of all, and it was kind of, it was kind of weird because I, all of a sudden I just was like, I heard this whisper saying, ask this question. And so I would ask people, I'm like, I'm going to ask you a question. We're on zoom. And I said, I want you to tell me the immediate answer. Don't really think about it, but tell me your gut answer to this question. And I thought it was lame that I was going to ask this, but I'm like, do you love yourself? Yes or no. And 75 to 80% of those 200 people looked at me like, yeah, um, well, I'm not, you know, oh, not sure. And so I started seeing a pattern. I'm like, because all for me about no excuses coaching is like getting to the root to the problem. I don't want to deal with symptoms. I want to get to the root. So a lot of that really involves with me working with a customer, working with a client is taking them back and like really seeing what their perspective is about their past, present, and their future. And really kind of identifying who they were from zero to five and what types of beliefs and, and, and conditioning went on into their lives and what they're thinking about. And ultimately, like we're talking about here is like into that realization, like, okay, I've been that, that, that people pleaser. I've been doing everything for everybody else. And then ultimately we spend more of our energy trying to help other people or get their validation, their significance and everything else, because we didn't have that as kids that we get lost. And so when I asked them this question, I found out that a lot of people didn't love themselves. It started to occur to me that when we start to love ourselves and we forgive ourselves and have empathy and that realize life is happening for us and not to us, and that we get an opportunity at any particular moment to sit there and say, wait, I can see this from a different perspective and a different angle. And, you know, we've been talking about congruency and, and values and everything else. It's really ultimately about, you know, deciding that you're no longer going to tolerate those excuses from yourself and to be able to really identify with your core 
exactly what it is that you want to, to put out into the world. And so by this, you know, asking people like, how do you hydrate? How do you sleep? What's your nutrition? What's your exercise? Just having them focus on that for a period of six weeks, just focusing on that alone. People came back to me in huge numbers, like, wow, Chris, I didn't realize how poorly I was treating myself, how poorly I was taking care of myself. Because if you don't have that foundation set, then you're operating from a, from a, from a lack mindset. So getting people to really take care of themselves and honor themselves and to have that ultimately that for me, at least. I think about it this, I think I'm here in this world to provide something, my zone of excellence, my zone of genius, if you will. And ultimately when my time comes to go back to wherever I'm going, um, that there's gonna be a checklist and they're gonna say, Chris, you were meant to achieve these things in your life. When I have that, that meeting with God, source maker, whatever it is, I want to be able to say that I checked those things off, that I didn't waste my time. So it's really about getting congruent with ourselves, taking care of ourselves and eliminating the stuff that doesn't no longer serve us. And that takes bravery and courage and guts. And that's what I do is I get people to walk through that and be able to stand up for themselves and realize that they don't need to tolerate anything else because I'll ask them the question, I'm like, when did it become acceptable to be mediocre? And like, it's not. I'm like, okay, if it's not, then stop acting like that. Mm. Hmm. Yeah. Very good. Very good. Thank you. All right, Randy. So can you tell us more about how you coach people and what you do, as well as how do you personally connect with your soul? Oh, it's a two-parter. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So in terms of coaching people, it's really about looking at, you know, because people do come and they're Obviously, they're they're struggling with something. They're uncomfortable enough to reach out and say, "Hey, I need some support around whatever they're going through." And then it's looking at what what's the perception of keeping them stuck, but also why is that here? It's 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 inviting them in closer to go, "Hey, th- this is actually a completely wondrous moment." Because if you're here and this is coming up and you're getting that nudge to even reach out to get support, you know, and we've all talked about this on here today, that is the turning point. When someone makes that decision, I want to be different. And I know that if they're reaching out to me or likely any of you, right? Same thing. If they're reaching out, they're ready. Mm-hmm. They're ready. So it's it's finding what is the life that they want to create? And, and in a very distilled way, you know, I'm doing this for 15 years and it always drove me crazy when I sit in rooms of 500, you know, entrepreneurs and coaches and everyone's writing their message. I do this so that I can help people too. And I'm like, I, I don't know. I don't know exactly. It was always so hard for me because it felt very limiting to say what that is, even though it's important. And at one point I just asked so many of my clients past, present, I said, what did you get? And the feedback that I got was you helped me love my life through helping my, through loving myself. You helped Mm -hmm. me love my life through loving myself. Mm -hmm. And I thought, oh, okay. And then I started to ask, so tell me, what did I, what did we do? What, what was even the work, right? (laughs) What was your experience? And there was so much that people, just like Chris said, so much that people were holding on to, an old way of viewing themselves, uh, seeing themselves through family members' eyes in a very critical, judgmental way. So being able to take experiences, which we've all had, 
that have been traumatizing, hurtful, that aren't serving people anymore, being able to adjust the perspective and heal. And I'd love to tell you that there's an exact formula for that, but there isn't because I work very intuitively and it's depending on the person who's in front of me, what they're presenting and what's going on. Then we sort of go in together, like triage and say, okay, what needs work and where is that? And it's a completely co-creative dynamic experience. And so, you know, that's the way that I help people update from past to present. And I love what uh, you both said about this, this future work is not future tripping, not uh, having everything in the future figured out, but using the future to say, to identify who is this person that I want to show up as? Because most of the time people don't even have a reference point. You say, you know, you're going to live the millionaire lifestyle. People want all this money. And then they go, I don't even know what that feels like. I have no reference point, right? The life that I want to create, what does that feel like? What, what, how would you stand? How would you talk? How would you get up in the morning? How would you hydrate yourself? Like Chris, what, how would you treat yourself? How would you treat the other people around you? So it's using the future for that person to figure out, oh, okay, that's the reference point. That's who I want to become. That's how it feels. And then showing up like that every day. Bravo. Love it. And yourself, you didn't say the answer to the one about yourself. Right. What was the second question now? How do you connect with your soul? Nature's huge for me. Um, Being out in nature, which really means that I'm making the time to slow down enough. So nature's really just the the symbol for me uh, to slow down enough to commune with my soul. Um, meditation is great. And one of the biggest things, to be honest, is working with other people. Mm. I'm of service and I really do believe that, but it is self-serving in the sense that I'm probably at my best, uh, when I am coaching others, because there are a lot of times that someone will say something and in that moment, I don't have an answer and I don't even know where to go or what question to ask. So I will literally pause, close my eyes. I'm sure people think I'm nuts and I'll say, just give me a moment and I will pause, pause. Sometimes it'll be a minute long pause, but I will be shown a picture or an image or something. And I'm thinking, what? I'm I'm, going to talk about a red little box with a bird coming. What? (laughs) And then a question will come and an image will come and I'll share that and it unlocks something. Mm -hmm. So to me, that's communing with my soul because I'm getting guidance in that moment. And there's nothing that's more satisfying than being a part of that when that can come through. I get that. Yes, me too. All those. (laughs) I love all those. All the things. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So Issei... Can you also answer that question? How do you connect to your soul? Absolutely. That's a wonderful question. I wanted to answer that question. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, one interesting way that I connect with my soul that I found throughout the years that was sort of a a curveball was my 
by having really authentic conversations and saying things that normally are you wouldn't say or that we hadn't said in the past. Um, that's one way. Uh, being still, being quiet, uh, definitely meditation, uh, definitely exercising and putting my mind in, in, a, in a place that I'd like to focus on something deep within me as I'm moving my body. Um, I also like to use the healing properties of plant medicine as well, uh, be it ayahuasca or mushrooms or other sacraments like that. Those are amazing ways to not only connect with your soul, but in doing so, clearing out a lot of the gunk that prevents you from connecting with your soul. So I would say like those are some of my my main things that, that stand out right now. But really, one way that I connect with my soul is kind of maybe kind of weird is that I, I close the, the shade of my eyes. That's what I call it. I close the shade. So typically, I could be in a really busy place, like an airport, like when I'm traveling a lot, and I'll be walking through an airport. What I do is I'll, I'll close, I'll shut down my eyes. I'll, I'm walking down that, those big, long hallways, and I'll close down my eyes. I'll close them down about eight-tenths of the way, nine-tenths of the way, so I only see about six feet in front of me down below. And so I close the shade, so I don't, I'm not taking in the information from around me, and I literally go into my own little private area. As I'm walking through the airport, I feel like no one can see me. It's private. I'm not getting in that information, and I'm just, I'm walking, like, by myself, and I feel like I'm, I'm cloaked. I feel like I'm invisible. And uh, that's really a fun thing to do that I would highly recommend for anyone who wants to connect with themselves, but they might not have a lot of time or space, is just to close down the blinds. I like that. It sounds good for people who get, because I am kind of an introverted extrovert. Like I'm very extroverted, but I'm also introverted in certain ways. I've become more the more intuitive I've gotten as probably you guys too. But um, sometimes airports or Las Vegas or something like that will get me overstimulated. So I love that tip because I have not tried that, like to just yeah. kind of get yourself out of it and not get it, taking it all in. That's cool. I think that's helpful for anxiety. Probably. Yeah. yeah. Um, one thing you said, Issei, that stuck out to me is um, when you said, clearing out all the gunk that prevents you from connecting to your soul. I think that is key right there for everyone. That's what, that's like the work right there. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. It works for you. Yeah. There's so many, there's so many things that there's so many dimensions that gunk builds up on, you know, that that's, that's sort of the fun part. And I, that's one thing I'll just, add to that conversation is that and one thing that i'm most proud of and also do with the coaching is uh cleaning up our mess you know i like to be mr clean and there's a, there's a great superpower in being able to look at the so-called mistakes the errors the misunderstanding all these mess up the soil we you know where we soiled our life and to really look at it and to transmute it because with every mistake, with every error, with every 
soiling, with every misunderstanding comes also the wisdom along with it as well. It, it never not comes with it. So when we, when we look at those things and we clean up our mistakes and we, when we see what's really there, there's always a spiritual lesson and there's always wisdom to be extracted from those areas in our lives. Usually we don't look at those areas. Usually we say, oh, I don't want to look at that. I don't want to about that. We kind of throw, we're throwing away so much wisdom. But when we have the power to clean those things up, to say, I apologize, to say I was wrong, to just even just look at it, to be able to clean those things up and you'll, you'll, you'll get the vision. I like to say from the first eye, you'll get like divine sight. You'll be able to see more of what's really that situation is about. And you'll get gifted mm-hmm. for the work. You will get gifted for doing the work and cleaning that up. And you will become untouchable. When you clean up your situation, when you clean up your mistakes, when you clean things up in your life, when you clean up things that you've destroyed, relationships, from being unconscious or whatever, when you clean things up, you, you get a superpower and you become untouchable because you don't have mm-hmm. to look over your shoulder ever. You clean up your skeletons in your closet. And I think yeah. that's one of the imperative things to do. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's yes, so I want to clap. Cool. Yeah, me too. But you know what? <laughs> I, I think that, that that's so brave for anyone listening because there's so many people who use it kind of as a crutch or something to run from or repress and say, yeah, I have anger, I have guilt, I have issues, I have shame, I have whatever. And they just like constantly say that as their identity instead of going, hold on, hold on. Okay, let's let's dissect each thing, heal from it, do whatever I need to do to learn from it, to be able to not have to react to it anymore, to more look at it like, all right, you know what? There's stuff like I can look at stuff in my past and go, yeah, I did that. And that was, you know, something that I did on my path, but it is the past. It created wisdom, learning, non-judgment, the ability of, of me being able to help others now with that knowledge. And it was just part of my life's path. And sometimes we have things that may be labeled as difficult, challenging, ugly, whatever. But if we can get to that place of looking at it in a more rising above way with almost like indifference, just like, okay, yeah, this is something that happened that I learned from and I used as a tool, then we don't need to keep it as our identity of guilt, shame, anger, whatever, you know? I want to say, I just want to say one thing to button that up real fast because it's so key. I am only able to serve at the highest level because I've cleaned up my mistakes and all those things we just talked about. That is what's given me all of what I have to offer. Had I not cleaned that up, I wouldn't have anything to offer. And it it gives so much in cleaning that up. Yeah. And everybody, everybody's nodding. (laughs) Yeah. And I think Chris will go to you in a sec, but I wouldn't just say this, um, that also prevents us from being authentically happy and fulfilled if we don't clean our stuff up. And it doesn't mean you have to take the blame um, and, and uh, say, you know, you know, even apologize to people. And it's not like things, mistakes you might have done to hurt people or made to hurt people. It's also clean our stuff up from within things that we have from our childhood. There's just, it, there's a ton of it that that's all about cleaning up. Chris, what do you think? Thousand percent. Uh, I mean, I mean, what you guys are, you're, you're preaching to the choir right now. I mean, we're all on the same wavelength. And I think, you know, when I, like I said before, when you look at things as life is happening for you and not to you, and you're able to look in the past, like I'll ask people, like, when did you learn the most when things were easier, when things were challenging? 
inevitably they say when things are challenging, I'm like, okay, so if you have an appreciation for when things get challenging and you look at it from the perspective, what am I supposed to be learning from this? What am I supposed to be growing from this? And then how can I be able to use this to uh, further my life down the road and other and help other people through that? You start to have a different perspective and seeing that there's growth in those opportunities, like the hero's journey, the Joseph Campbell story. It's on YouTube. It's like an hour and 23 minutes. It talks about the fact that we go through these ebbs and flows, these peaks and these valleys throughout our life. And um, to Issei's point, the sooner we stop running from that, I tell people, I ask people like in part of my intake conversations, I'm like, what are you running from? And they're like, wow, I never really thought about that. And usually they say they're running from themselves. I'm like, okay, what is your addiction? What is your short-term gratification that you constantly go to? TV, Netflix, shopping, gambling, sports, sex, drugs, rock, whatever it might be. I'm like, okay, what is it? What is it the deeper thing that you're running from? And it's that awareness, it's that realization that they're not being congruent to their values. And they've identified themselves more as a victim than a victor. And then ultimately, from that point, it's to be able to sit there and see, who am I surrounding myself with? You know, I used to be one of those people that was the smartest guy in the room, and I thought that was great. But then I, when I really looked at my life and the fact that I was unfulfilled, I was unsatisfied, and I was what I would call comfortably miserable, I started looking at the people I was hanging around with. And I, once I started investing in having deeper and better relationships, the quality of my life started increasing by the questions that I was asking myself. So I think it's super important, the fact that when we get real and raw with ourselves and really decide, you know, what am I limiting myself from? in the fact that I'm going through these short-term gratifications, the thing is about the priority. It's like, you know, priority is a singular word. So I ask my clients, I'm like, what is your priority in this life? And they tell me like seven things. I'm like, no, what if you had to pick one, what is it? And so we narrow down and we start building that foundation from the bottom up. And, and like, like what we've been talking about today is shifting our perspectives about the things and the people that have happened in our life. My mom was not a very good person. I mean, she beat me physically, mentally. I was homeless and everything else. But once I got to the point where I said, okay, I'm not going to use this as a victim card anymore. I'm going to see and choose that this person has been in my life to make me the man I am today. That immediately shifted everything. And I was able to get um, clarity and I was able to let go of a lot of hatred and a lot of uh, animosity and a lot of fear that was wrapped up in those victim mindsets. So once we get clear and we realize our hero's journey and everything's happening for us and not to us, it provides a lot of clarity. And in the fact that once we get real and we stop going after those short-term gratifications and you live that it's everything else becomes more abundant. And for me, that really goes down to gratitude. Like when you focus on what you're grateful for, you will find more of that. Cause if I tell people like, look around your room right now and tell me everything that's blue, you're going to find everything that's blue. And I'm going to say, okay, tell me what was green. And you're going to say, Chris, I was looking for blue same thing in life, whatever it is that you're looking for is what you're going to receive. So it's about shifting that perspective a little bit every single day. And it's not going to, it's not going to be overnight, but over time, you're going to start seeing things and you're going to wake up. And as, as you start your day, I start my day with gratitude and my intentions before my eyes even open. And that's the way I start my day. So as I'm going through my day, did I set the intention to be mediocre today? Did I set the intention to, you know, fluff off? Did I, did I set, no, I set the intention to do these things. And once you catch yourself and you reorganize yourself, it's incredible what it is that you can actually do because you, you, you build a new muscle in your mind that you're no longer going to tolerate that mediocrity anymore. Yeah. Yes. I love it. Thank you. Yeah. I love it. So we only have a few more minutes. And so can each of you, um, and I want everyone to think about when you're listening to this, you know, if you feel you're ready for coaching, think about one of these guys might have resonated with you and you're feeling pulled to work with them. And that, that is not at all the purpose for this. That just came into my intuition right now, yeah. honestly. But, um, but each of you, I would love to know how we can find you if you have anything coming up and um, what's your last piece of advice before you leave. And thank you for being here. So Randy. Thank you for having me. Um, first and foremost, this has been a treat to uh, hear 
everyone share about this. I mean, so many parallels, but also, you know, I'm, I'm taking notes and just thinking, wow, this it's such a confirmation that I'm in the right place just by surrounding myself with people like this and being asked to be surrounded. So thank you. Um, so where can you find me? Uh, randyspelling.com. I'm also on social uh, as Randy Spelling. And one last piece of advice. I'm going to riff off what uh, Chris was saying about mediocrity is I think there's this interesting term, you know, in the self-help personal development world, there, there are these phrases that become really popular at times and, you know, acceptance, this is Buddhist philosophy that became really, really, really popular. And, uh, and, and I love it. Don't get me wrong. I think we have to accept what is, but I think when it comes to acceptance, it's really about accepting what was what what is and what was because even though from this now moment we're looking back at the past and yeah. what you know a news that we got a minute ago or something that happened 10 minutes ago or uh traveling back into childhood and when it comes to acceptance and your life for your future don't accept that how you felt in the past or how you feel right now dictates your future because yeah, it's just time not to accept that anymore. And hopefully today um, you've heard the message very clearly that you can change this, you can shift, you can grow, and your future does not have to resemble the past if you're willing to get conscious and willing to do the work to change it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Acceptance, well radical acceptance. Yeah, radical acceptance. Yeah. How about you, Issei? Oh, bless you, my sisters and my brothers <laughs> and the viewers. I love you so much. We are all one. It's, it's just one big party of oneness, of love and peace and fun. Uh, thank you for having me. Thank you for these impactful conversations. These are ways that I connect with my soul. I get to extract so much value and learn so much too. Um, you know, what, what I would say is, firstly, it's divinity before humanity. And once we really start to understand, understand, understand that, that there is a divine version of all of us that comes before the human version of us, and we start to accept and clarify and craft out what that divine version could be, then we start to be able to have more, uh, um, more juice, more power, more energy, more information by which to, to guide our lives. You know, if I just look at my human self, I'm going to have to deal with my human temper, my human past, my human stuff, whatever, my human attributes, my human abilities. But if I understand that there is a higher self, my higher self, my God self, my divine self, the part of me that came from heaven, whatever you want to call it, and I can craft that to come into this body as well too, then we start to have, we endow ourselves with different abilities, different personalities, 
totally changed the game. And with that said, you know, my, my saying that I've come to over the many, many decades of years is once you have you, you have everything. <laughs> and once you have you, that divine version of you, that part of you that really, really matters. I'm not talking about the you that you think. I'm talking <laughs> about the you that is. The you that always is and always will be. Once you have you, you have everything. And I think just starting to really understand that and craft your life around that and, and letting that flourish is is the magic, is the path that I think many of us, all of us are really on, is really just getting back home. And uh, so for me on social, I'm on social as a divine man on TikTok or Instagram, and I give lots of little inspirational videos on there as well too. A divine man is my handle on both of those. And then straight to the coaching is the divine man coaching.com the divine man coaching.com awesome thank, thank you. you and chris <laughs> yes um thank you guys this has been an amazing conversation I'm, I'm glad to be in the company of you guys and just being able to have this raw and vulnerable conversation for me when i think about this you know i'm going to give you guys a tip that has been pretty instrumental in, in a lot of people's lives in the last couple of years since i've implemented it but the thing that i would suggest for each and every one of us is to go sit down and write down your tolerations right you think about all the different things that we're tolerating and i'll ask people whether what are they tolerating from themselves what are they tolerating from others? And what are they tolerating from inanimate objects? And I ask them to create a list over a week. And I say, list out everything you're, you're tolerating because most times we don't realize how much stuff we're tolerating and how much that weighs us down in life. And inevitably people will come back and they'll have like four or five things out of each category. And I'm like, are you sure? Are you sure? And, and, and to Randy's point, you know, talk about intuitive coaching. I can pretty much tell whether they're lying or being honest with themselves. They don't want to put down all the different things. So I tell them, I invite them to go spend the rest of the next week and really being in the moment with things like the, the car door sticks, the washing machine doesn't this, that all the different things and write them down. And inevitably probably 99% of the time people show up with 30, 40% more of things. And they're like, God, Chris, I didn't realize how much I was tolerating. And I'm like, now let me ask you how much different would your, your courage and your confidence and your outlook and your happiness and your health be if you didn't tolerate a third of those things. I'm like, oh my God, Chris, I'd have time for this. I'm out of time. So then we just start working on that. So figure out what it is that you guys are tolerating and start picking that, you know, one big one that you can, you can knock off or some low hanging fruit and just start chipping away at that and having other people hold their responsibility and their accountability. Um, and it's amazing what will happen in your life and what you will free up for your, your, your own confidence and your own perspective. And I'm the no excuses coach. So I could be reached at no excusescoach.com. All my socials are right there and, uh, I'd be happy to help anybody, uh, have any conversations. And again, thank you guys for being here. Look forward to connecting and having more conversations with you guys. Um, and yeah, I'm Christopher Rauch. And that's a wrap. <laughs> yeah. Just so you guys know, this is so funny, but Eden and I at the same time texted each other that we love this episode. Like we texted each other at the same time. <laughs> and we keep getting the chills too. Yeah. Every time you guys say something. So it's, awesome. and, and I love, cause we do hear back, you know, you hear back from maybe like 10 or 20% of people on what, how it impacted them, but there's so many that it's going to impact that probably won't bother to say anything. So this is just powerful and profound. And it shows like when we all get into a team, it's like, it's like that mastermind, you know? So, so, so thank you, thank you yeah. guys. It means so much. It means thank so you, much. Thank you. Let us know when it airs and we can share it out and promote yes, it. Yes, yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Thanks for listening. It was thank a pleasure you, being everyone. with you guys. Thank Hi, you. Hi, y'all. Pleasure meeting y'all. So good to be here.
I'll be connected with you guys on social. Yes. All right. Yeah. Ditto. Thank you. Cool. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so we were waiting till it cut off, but it'll air November 6th and we'll send you the promo stuff for it. Cool. Awesome. Perfect. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much. Love Thank you. Thank you too Love for you putting this together and yeah. asking. For sure. Thank nice you. you Randy. We got to do it again. Yeah, you too. <laughs> Scott. Bye, and also. Thank you, Love Scott. You Bye. Safe. Peace. Bye, y'all. Bye. Bye. Drive safe. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Talk Purpose and Truth podcast. Find out more at talkpurposeandtruth.com. And follow us at Talk Purpose Truth on Instagram and Facebook. <laughs>